0: Hey, welcome to Common Ground Church, Bloberg. We are so delighted that you've joined us. We're a church committed to filling our hearts and our world with the life of Jesus. We do this by pursuing His presence, by being formed into His image, and then by loving the world on the mission He's called us to. Hey, if you've got any further questions about who we are or what we're up to, why don't you check out our website at cgbloberg.co.za.
1: Enjoy the message. We trust it will serve you in your journey of finding and following Jesus. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 to 16. And it says, But whatever will gain to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss, because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, because like like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take a view of such things, and if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only... Let us live up to what we have already attained.
0: Thank you, Zane. We need to do some selective hearing lessons at some stage. It sounds, sounds useful. So we're um, on Celebration Sunday. Andy, do you want to help me? I want to give these things a little bit more airtime because it is Celebration Sunday and I feel like um, the balloons are getting swallowed a little bit. How's that? Hey, a little bit more like balloon-y, birthday-ish, celebration How's that? No, you guys are like, it's average. No real major change, but as long as you're happy, Rog, we're happy. Cool. Thank you for humoring me then. It really is probably my OCD or something going on there, but it feels like a real celebration now, and we get to see our palm trees. There we go. There we go. Somebody read the text with Zane. So here we are, we're talking about taking hold. And uh, right in the beginning of this text, Paul uses a really strong word. He uses the word rubbish. Some translators would say, actually, he's using the word dung, and uh, dung is, uh, you know, cow poop. And he's using this term where he's, he's basically sharing the gospel in a different way. That's basically what Paul the Apostle all the time does. He basically tells the gospel in different ways to help people to understand how to change, how to live, what to do with their lives. And it's always out of this center of what is the gospel and how does it impact, influence, shape your life, your future, your hopes, your dreams, your everything? And now he's using this, uh, this concept of comparison to talk about the life he once had, the life he has now. And he basically says, I consider it all rubbish or dung, or cow poop. It's all not valuable compared to what I have now got in Jesus Christ. Now, if you had read a little earlier, this is what Paul says about himself. So this is his upbringing. This is his pedigree. He's telling the, the story of what he's comparing to. And um, and he tells about his, himself. So if you go back a few verses, you would see this. It says, I was circumcised on the eighth day. That's like saying, Siakalisi is my dad, and I went to the best school. I've got the coolest people around me. I am of pedigree. I come from the best stock in the country. He basically tells this sense of who he is, of the people of Israel. He goes, the, the, I, I'm, I'm of the people, the, the, the people that uh, are known to have been chosen by God to carry the promises this this is me not just of any tribe but of the tribe of Benjamin i went to the best schools he says a hebrew of hebrews in regard to the law a pharisee this guy was top of the pups he went to you know a fantastic school that was you know brilliant education not too snobby that everyone judges you but really brilliant that everyone wants to be like you you know that school doesn't exist but we're all trying to find it and uh, He went to that. And and everybody looked at Paul and went, that guy's going places. He was the head boy of the school. He was the guy that everybody thought you want to be like. He was an impressive man with an amazing future. Um, In regard to the Lord said he was a Pharisee. As for zeal, he was persecuting the church, which meant that he was a passionate Jewish man. He was doing everything he could. And the Jewish world were looking at him going, this guy's going places. He is the son that the parents are proud of. As for righteousness. Based on the law, faultless. He was your blue eyed boy. He was the apple of his parents' eye. He was the apple of the nation's eye. He was the kind of guy people said one day when I'm big, I'll be like Paul. We all know somebody. Maybe you had a sibling like that. Maybe you have felt like that at times. Most of us haven't. Most of us have seen people we think are a little like that, and none of us have felt like that. Paul says, I was a bit like that. And then he compares it to what he's got now. He says, I had so much going for me. The world was at my fingertips. I could do whatever I wanted, but I consider it cow poop. I consider it rubbish. I consider it dung compared to the surpassing glory of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's an amazing moment. Uh, We play the would you rather game as a family, you know, like you compare stuff. Would you rather, the most recent interesting one, would you rather um, have a zebra-sized pigeon attack you or would you rather have a thousand uh, pigeon-sized zebras attacking you? What would you rather have? And, uh, you know, it's an interesting one. I chose the thousand little zebra sized pigeons, a big, you know, zebra, just all a little bit scary. So, would you rather game? And Paul's going, would you rather have everything going your way in this life? Or would you rather have the glory of the goodness of God in Jesus Christ? That shows up and gives you relationship with God again. He says, compared to what I once have, I would rather a thousand times over have the glory of God, the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. Isn't it amazing? We're in a series called Contenders, where we are looking at passages of Scripture that are about contending for something, that are about realizing that we are called to take hold of something, that Jesus has taken hold of us, but we too are called to lay hold of something. And Paul here is going, I realize how good I had it, but it doesn't compare. It's almost like he's saying, I know him. That's more precious than anything. But I also want to know him more. He says, I've attained this, but I I would love to, to get to know him ever better. It's like God has introduced him to this lifelong adventure of discovering what has happened in the gospel. That's the thing. If you're new to Christianity and you're looking in at the faith, I want you to realize that Christians don't arrive at their final destination the moment they say yes to Jesus. Christians are introduced to God and then God becomes the journey of their life as they discover the multifaceted, incredible largeness and uh, multidimensional nature of the God that they have found. That's why in verse 12, Paul goes on, he says, not that I've already obtained all of this, this wonderful journey of of knowing Christ and, and understanding all of him and being transformed into his likeness, not that I've already obtained all of this or that I already have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. I press on. If I could encourage you this morning, I want to encourage you today that you are the kind of person who, like Paul, realizes that you are in Christ, but it's not the end. It's just the beginning. You are a person who presses on, who lays hold of. And actually today, in some ways, I don't want to urge you and tell you to do more. I actually, in Celebration Sunday, with balloons at my backdrop, I want to celebrate that you are pressing on. I want to say, well done for pressing on. Well done for being the kind of people, the kind of community that are pressing on. But let's dig in a little bit. It's a, it's a beautiful passage of Scripture. It's probably uh, in my top sort of 20 life verses. If I go to a passage, this one seriously motivates me. Verse 12, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on, listen to it, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has already taken a hold of me. Can you pick up the, the two movements that are happening there? What he's saying is, is Jesus has taken hold of me, but because he's taken hold of me, now there is something that I get to take a hold of. So on Thursday evening, the idea sprang into my head, and I said to my two older girls, Chloe and Josie, you can show the, the picture there, I said, girls, How about this for an idea? Uh, Thanks to Justin who fixed uh, Chloe's bike, because it was a real humbling moment and a story in and of itself, but I couldn't fix the tire myself. So thanks to Justin, both bikes are now working. So I said to them on Thursday evening, how about Saturday morning? We ride from Sunningdale to Melkboss and I'll run with you guys. Sound good? Sounds good. So I tell them the story and I say, let's do it. They say, yes, Dad, that sounds amazing. I knew the Southeaster would blow us there, which was even better. And, uh, and so on Saturday morning, we got on our bikes and we went. Now, I've got an, a 10-year-old and an eight-year-old. They're not riding to Milk Boss by themselves. It's not gonna happen. But if I take hold of them on a Thursday evening and I say, guys, what do you think? Should we do this? The idea gets a grip on their hearts and their minds. They say, yeah, we're in. I have the idea. I'm the dad who is going to go with them all the way. I will make sure that they cross over the R27 safely. I will make sure that when they get to the circle, we do it safely. I'll make sure that they stay on the right side or the left side of the little pathway so that the other bikes fly past them safely. I will help them get there. I take hold of them. I will walk with them, but they've got to pedal their way there. Isn't that an amazing dynamic there? Christ has taken hold of you for an adventure and now he says, now you take hold of the adventure that I took hold of you for. It's a remarkable, beautiful thought. You have been taken a hold of. You could never take hold of yourself. You could never save yourself. You could never earn God's amazing love and favor. You could never be righteous enough. No family, no pedigree, no goodness on your own part would make God love you anymore. Jesus dies for you. He gives you his free righteousness. He grabs a hold of you the moment you say, yes, I surrender to your love. And he grabs a hold of you and he says, now let's go, let's go there's stuff for you to lay a hold of. And today we're celebrating in a way where we're looking back and we're saying, we've laid a hold of a whole bunch. Next is gonna share a list of amazing stuff. We've just, as a church, had a remarkable year. I hope you, you pinch yourself every now and again. It's not always that you live in a season where it feels like people are coming to faith, the church is growing, life groups are flourishing. There is so much difficulty in the world. There are so many challenges. But I want to suggest that sometimes we've got to take stock and go, wow, thank you, God. We're pressing on. We're laying a hold of. It's a wonderful thing. If I took a hold of my kids and said, let's go for a ride, Jesus took a hold of you and said, let's go on a kingdom adventure. I want to suggest today, I want to encourage you. I want to thank you to say, well done, Well done for for saying yes, for getting on the bike and pushing the pedals down. Uh, There's so many things probably we want to look back on and say, wow. And there's stuff we're also going to prepare for. There's more to lay hold of. Paul, the great apostle, this is him in prison. So he's lived a long life by now. He's writing uh, to the Philippians, probably from prison. And he's feeling the pangs of a long life of ministry. And he still says, I haven't done it all. I haven't obtained it all. There is still more. The lie that in the next four weeks or five weeks, we are miraculously just going to rejuvenate and feel like a million bucks come January 7th or 10th or whenever your holiday ends is a, is a total fable. What we do is we rest looking back and going, wow, thank you, God. But we also rest looking forward going, God, there's more there are more lives to change, there are more people to impact there's more of you to know, there's more of your glorious multidimensional nature to get a hold of the rest of my life would never plumb the depths of the beautiful galaxies of your grace and the wonders of your mercy I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to get to know that Jesus what a wondrous thought and so I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me when Jesus took a hold of you, he, he saw relationships that were going to be redeemed. He saw people that you were going to love and impact. He saw sins that you were going to repent of and be freed from. He saw brokenness that was going to be healed. I think of how many stories. I mean, it's always, uh, for me, so often it's the people that I get to chat with after a meeting. And, and we get to watch addiction start to break f- uh, out of people's lives. I get to watch as, as friendships develop, simply in a, in a cafe moment. And those friendships become redemptive, life-changing. Hey, when Jesus took hold of you, he saw your home. He saw the relationships of the people that you live with. not just talking about married people. I'm talking about you singles, the, the roommates, the flatmates, the parents that you've got. And he saw you being an agent of redemption, laying a hold of that for which he took a hold of you. He looked at your life and he looked through your life and he said, come, let's go. There's stuff for us to take hold of. Today, I want you to celebrate. I want you to not look at the glass half empty going, oh, Rog, I know those guys did it, but I don't know if I took hold of. I want to remind you today that by faith, God is just taking us one step at a time, and you laid hold of some stuff today. Don't, don't keep comparing yourself down. It's, the, it's what we do in our society. We compare down, we're the victim, and we're never doing enough. I want you to hear the love of the Father and the voice of a a kind shepherd to just say, well done. You're laying hold. We're taking hold of stuff. It's a long journey. It's a marathon. It's going to take the rest of our lives. We haven't obtained it all. But one loving moment at a time, whether it's receiving God's love, whether it's giving God's love, we take a hold of it. Joshua 14, verse 12. This is Caleb. Listen to this. He comes to Joshua, Joshua and Caleb moved on to the promised land, they were the two men of faith, when everyone else was faithless, they said, we can do this thing, they eventually got into the land, and Caleb has this moment where, uh, after helping all his mates, all the other tribes find land and settle into, the, into Israel, it says this, so here I am today, he comes to Joshua, 85 years old, 85, wow. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am just as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country. He looks at a big plot of land and he says, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. This year, you've driven out some enemies. This year, you've partnered with God to do amazing stuff. Next year, you will do it all again. It's quite annoying, actually, that we look at our lives in years, don't you think? Because you're kind of like, oh, I've done another one, and I've got to do another one. We should probably be wiser to look in decades, because then you don't feel like, oh, She's just, as soon as I'm finishing one, I'm starting another. Can be quite overwhelming, right? You've only got like three weeks to prepare for the next one. Some of us less. Brent told me he's working through Christmas. How is he going to be ready for another one of the one we just did? Unless by the grace of God, you look at the long game and you say, I haven't obtained it. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I I consider the the stuff the world values. I consider getting my kids into the best schools. I consider my personal success or my bank balance, it's rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Wow, that's what he's saying here. Do you know when Spain sort of led the world in the 15th century, you know, the days of Christopher Columbus. Spain was the dominant currency. They ran the world. Spanish was the the in vogue language around the world. And they were literally taking over the world, discovering new worlds. And uh, before they had discovered the new world, on their coins, you'll see this image, they had uh, inscribed ne plus ultra, which is uh, Spanish or probably very Latin, which meant nothing further. It was the arrogance of the Spanish to go, there's nothing beyond Spain. Literally, we are the center of the world. And remember, they believed the the earth was flat. Until Columbus crosses the Atlantic, lands on the other side, and they are humbled to the dust. And they literally change the inscription to say, plus ultra, which literally means more beyond. They changed their view of the world, understanding actually there is more beyond. We're not the center of everything. And some Christians live a little like that. There's nothing beyond. I've just, it's just about me in survival mode. It's about me getting by. And Jesus would come to you and say, no, there is more beyond. I, I grabbed a hold of your life so that you could go beyond, so that you could reach nations, so that you could change the, na- the, the lives of people who've come from other nations. You have more to lay a hold of. I honestly think our, our world is increasingly depressed and anxious because we're starting to believe there is nothing beyond. We literally live nay plus ultra There is nothing but me and my existence. Me and my survival. Me and making sure that the little ecosystem in which I live is the final story. And Jesus breaks in and he says, no, there is more beyond. There are continents of God's kingdom to conquer. There are things to press on and to take a hold of. That's the gospel. That's the wonder of this this journey we're in. Today I want to just suppose honor the people who are part of different teams and just say thank you, to say, well done. You know, there there's so many teams and it's so hard to name them, but we're going to in a moment. But and, and, and we are sort of looking today at the ministries in common ground and and it's it can't cover everything because we've your life is way more than what you do in and through Common Ground Church. The the ministries you participate in are are a fraction of the time that you spend. The more beyond through your life and ministry stretches far beyond what you do in and through this church. But we do want to take stock sometimes to recognize what we are doing in our communities. And I I want to try to just spark your imagination. You know, sometimes we think, you know, I, I set up chairs. And we forget that as I set up chairs, I'm creating an environment where people can sit. It's the same environment that, are, that, that is, is kind of useful and helpful for people to sit in a comfortable worship space and to encounter the love of Jesus Christ. Only three weeks ago, I get to be in the front, and maybe some of you have more wonderful stories where I get to stand in the front. Somebody comes to me and says, help me to come to faith in Jesus. I want to do this thing. You don't necessarily draw the line between putting a chair in the place that it needs to be and a person who comes to a pastor to say, help me cross the line of faith. But I want you to. I want you to remember that sometimes maybe as a kid's rock leader and you're waiting with the last kid who's still there and you're going, where is this dot, dot, dot parent? Why are they not dot, dot, dot here right now? And you're making small talk. But maybe on the other side, that parent is having a life-changing conversation. Maybe on that other side, they're facing some of their deepest fears of whatever. Maybe they're finding healing in a moment of prayer. We've seen that. It's happening. God is changing lives. He's doing stuff. And and so often we forget to connect the fact that as I set up a, a coffee station as a life group serving that actually I'm creating an environment for people to build friendships which could could become lifelong transformative kingdom friendships that take us to the more beyond, that help us to find the nature and the beauty of Jesus Christ. You see, so often we serve and we go, just got to do it because the church needs stuff done and we don't draw the connection between what we're contributing and what God is doing. So thank you. Thank you for pressing on. Thank you for taking hold of. Thank you for saying your yes, putting your yes on the table and letting God multiply it. We live in a world that goes, hey, what's in it for me? What am I going to get out of this whole thing of serving, of pressing on, of trying? Life's tiring and I need some space. Well, Paul says what's in it for you is that you get to know Christ. You get to take hold of all that he has for you. We press on, we lay hold of. Today we're going to celebrate teams and people are contending for the things God has laid out for us through direct church serving opportunities and and I just want to say three things on that. Firstly, much of what God calls us to isn't in organised ministries. That's that's goes without saying and I've already said it. So. We, we celebrate you, not just, and we don't wanna be that church that goes every Christian thing you do, every godly thing you do happens in the life of the church. We wanna kill that weird notion. We're 24 seven followers of Jesus. We need to be taking all of our worship that we express here, and we need to live it out on a Monday through to a Saturday, including a Sunday. We are worshipers 24-7, and God is coaching us over and over. So I don't want you to feel like your val- most valuable contributions in the kingdom happen in this church. Just some of your valuable contributions happen in this church, and we thank you for it, and we, we, we want to ask us to continue in it. But don't think it's more important than the way that you love your colleague, than the way that you do your work with excellence and with character, and that you reflect Christ to your, your uh, employers and your employees. Hey, secondly, if we leave you out, or you feel like, oh man, you celebrated them, or you gave them a card, or you did something like this, and and I feel a little left out, can I call you to generosity? (laughs) We try our best to celebrate everyone, to make much of our teams uh, and our people, and sometimes we make mistakes, and the church often makes mistakes. But in these moments where uh, where we celebrate each other, it can often become a case of, I don't know if I feel celebrated and I want to call us to the gospel that Jesus didn't feel celebrated. The gospel isn't a story of how much uh, honor, how much recognition can I get? It's a story of how much recognition can Jesus get? How much can I serve him? We're not doing it to be recognized. We're doing it to, to serve each other and of course, importantly, to serve God. And so I always call myself, uh, whenever I feel, and maybe this is a good life lesson, whenever I feel a little overlooked, which I do sometimes, and it's never valid because everyone feels overlooked if you tell the story the right way. Whenever I feel overlooked, I feel like God say, what's the generous interpretation here? What's the generous interpretation to how I could read this story? And what I do then is I let God generously love me because that's where I find my generosity. And then out of that, I go, I'm gonna give a generous interpretation to this story. Try that in your friendships. Try that in your marriage. Ask yourself over and over, what's the generous interpretation to what I've just been through? And you'll find the Father will give you a generosity of heart that will cause your relationships to spark but not to blow up. Finally, contend for celebration. I want to suggest that we are a generation that is, if we stay on the course we're going, we're going to lose our ability to celebrate. You know, someone recently, I was listening to a Christian podcast and they said, it's been a hard year. And I started reflecting, okay, it's been a hard year. Yeah, it, it's been a hard year. Then I thought, didn't we say that at the end of last year? Then I thought, oh no, and didn't we say that at the end of the year before that? And that was 2021. So then you got to go back to 2020, which, you know, that was COVID. So, so that was a hard year. Then I went, okay, it's not finished because I went to 2019 and how many people were going, it's been a hard year. 2020 is going to be the year that everything turns around. Remember that? We were all expecting that to be the like, wow, turn around, like 2020. It's got such a sweet ring to it. It's just going to be icing on the cake of life. And then 2020 happens. So that means that mathematically, 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23 have been five hard years. My conclusion Life's hard. (laughs) It's tough. It's just plain old difficult. And we keep maybe looking too much at media. And we're comparing with a false view of what life kind of could be if you lived in a movie. Or whatever other media advertising you're watching. And you're comparing it to your real feelings and your real life. And the gap is so big that you go, it's been a hard year. Jesus, 2,000 years ago. To go all the way back to, the, you know, to some of the earliest writings, he said, you will have troubles in this life, i.e., life is hard. Deal with it. It's really tricky. You're going to face troubles over and over and over. He doesn't stop there. He says, but take heart. I've overcome the world. And so there's this wonderful interplay. But I think many of us haven't settled the fact that life is hard and next year will also be hard. Ouch. What if we stop thinking December's going to be the turning point to a good year and we go it's going to probably be quite similar to the last one. Ouch. Somebody that Yes, Lord, I'm listening. God's never spoken to me audibly like that. It's amazing. Sure. It's been a hard year. And it probably will be a hard year. Why? Because it's just, we live in the overlap of the ages. The present evil age and the age to come are in an overlap, and we know all about it, and it's going to continuously be tough. And Paul writes here in Philippians 3, verse 10, where he says, I want, you to, I want to know Christ, which I want you to feel the same. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection. That's Sunday, right? I want to know Sunday's power. I want to know that wondrous life of God, the creative life that takes dead things and makes them alive. I want to see relationships that are struggling. I want to see them come alive. I want to see uh, my friends. I want to see my children. I want to see the resurrection life of God take people from brokenness to whole. I want to see sinners repent and see them fully alive to God and see them changing the world and coming into their workspaces with you know uh, viv- uh, vivaciousness and creativity and bringing a whole bunch of beautiful kingdom life. That's what we want, right? We want Sunday. We want all of the beauty of the sunrise of God's beautiful resurrection power all over our lives. But Paul says, here, yeah, yes, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. And he says, and participation in his sufferings. Here's the thing in life. We live in a blend of Friday and Sunday. He says, I will participate sometimes in his sufferings. I will sometimes experience something of what it feels like to be in a death-like experience. There are times where it feels like I'm dying to myself. feels like a dream has died. It is gonna feel difficult. Some of you have felt that this year. We have mourned together. I've cried with some of you. I've cried for some of you because it's felt like Friday all year your loss, your pain, your difficulty. You've felt it. That's not nothing. You have had a Friday-like experience for multiple seasons of this year. It's not nothing. You will experience something of participating in the sufferings of Jesus. It is going to happen. But he says this, I want to know both. I want to know both. I want to know what it's like to walk walk in the resurrection power of Jesus, to see the redemptive life of God whilst I participate in his sufferings and I participate well. Next year will be a blend of Friday and Sunday. Crucifixion and resurrection. You're gonna die to self, you're gonna see God's resurrection power and we're gonna do it over and over. Why? Because he took a hold of you in the gospel and he loves you deeply and he says, I have taken hold of you that you might know my sufferings and you might show my glory in that but also that you might show my resurrection power. It's a beautiful thing. If you're waiting until there aren't any troubles before you can celebrate you're going to never celebrate again. If you're waiting for a year that you can go, look, it was perfect, no difficulties, health, wealth, prosperity, we'll never get to celebrate and then we will miss out on the fact that we're just living in a Friday-Sunday blend. And so today I want to call us. I want to look at you if it's felt more Friday than Sunday and I want to say you're not being disingenuous to be able to celebrate when you get to the, uh, to the Christmas table, when, you, when we cheer today, it's not because everything's perfect. It's because Jesus is risen, because he will return, and because in and amongst all of our Friday-like experiences, Sunday still has been happening. And we can celebrate that. And we can allow ourselves to do that. That's what faith is. Only the Christian, in my opinion, has the ability to bring the tension of a broken world and a world that's being healed and restored into one life and be able to make an explanation for both. We can do that. We can do that, and it's wondrous. And so today as we celebrate, we're going to go outside, we're going to eat burgers, we're going to high-five each other, you're going to look people in the eyes and you're going to say, well done, thank you, I love you, I appreciate you, and I'm going to call you to try be intentional about that because we're just wanting to honor and appreciate people and become better and better at looking people in the eye and saying, you're incredible. Keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you. And so today, I'm going to ask the band. I'm also going to ask some of my heroes to come up. And those are the life group leaders. So band, life group leaders, I want to Thanks call you, so much you up now. Thanks for joining now. us today. In Common Ground Bloberg, we prize seeing information turned into revelation. In other words, a deep heart understanding of what we've heard. Why don't you take a moment now to just prayerfully consider what information have you heard that you're trusting God to take deep into your heart and turn into revelation that'll shape your life. Have a fantastic day.